All right, we're back with another episode. Um, I'll get to start off a little bit of history. Not not a lot today, really just one thing, but kind of interesting. Um, on this day in 1997, Netflix was founded, um, and it was first a DVD rental business. Um, was started in California by Mark Randolph and Reed Hastings, who were the co-founders of the company, the two of them, and um, I th- I'm not sure if both of them are still connected to it, but they were definitely the ones who, who got it off the ground. So, yeah. Yeah, I think Hastings is still the CEO. Okay, yeah, yeah. I knew yeah, one sure of them. Randolph. But yeah, that was pretty interesting. I, I didn't know it went back that far. I was like, whoa. Yeah, I had no idea. In 97, we were still going to Dave's video and exactly. just got family video, so. Right, yeah, I think it was just Blockbuster over here. Yeah, it's crazy. One likes film, the other TV. Together, they chronicle life in the peak entertainment era. It's a streamable life. All right, if you're hearing this, we thank you for pressing play on another edition of Is a Streamable Life podcast with Brandon and Lauren. This week, our feature presentation will review the season 10 premiere of Ryan Murphy's American Horror Story anthology series, Double Feature. But first, we'll get into some news from the past week. First up, um, Kanye West held his final album listening event at Soldier Stadium this past Thursday. And I had a few friends that were able to attend and they really enjoyed themselves. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's some, they're like major Kanye stands. So they were there for the music. Um, Of course, there was controversy courted with who appeared at the event with him. Uh, Marilyn Manson was there for some reason. The baby's verse was on a song. Yeah. Um, but it has since been removed because surprisingly, uh, Kanye kept his word and the album was released today on streaming services. So oh, wow. Donda is available to stream on all platforms. It's it's almost like two hours long. Yeah, I, it's hour 48. I've listened to six songs and um, that's just how I'm going to listen to it. Like six song ink mix because it's like 27. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, but my... My again, my friends said they really enjoyed the production. A lot of people were saying it's his best album since around, you know, my beautiful, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy or Jesus, wow. whichever one you preferred. Um, but now I saw a story today that says that Universal Music released it without his consent. So I don't know what's going on. Yeah, it's too much. It it really is. Um, on a lighter, well, not a lighter note. Um, this weekend again was the can't believe it's the one year anniversary of Chadwick Boseman's passing. Yeah. Um, I, I it doesn't feel like it's been a year. It feel like it's been multiple. Yeah, yeah. Time. But yeah, I was um this uh time last year I was actually in Memphis when I got the news on my phone. I was just I had I have been on Instagram scrolling and saw his picture. Yeah. Like of him smiling. I was like, well, that's random. And then I went back, I guess an hour later or so later or so, and like actually read the caption and it explained you know, how he had passed and had, had colon cancer and yeah. Yeah, yeah he 
he um because there's that whole thing he did i think he did like an instagram live where he looked kind of gaunt and mm-hmm. you know, sickly and people commented on it and then some of them thought well maybe it's for a role and then you know you put this together but yeah it was just very very strange yeah yeah so um piece of his family it's it really was sort of the one of the bleakest moments of last year considering you know what was all going on just how fortunate and then finally on my list uh tina chin the president of times up has agreed to resign from the organization that's supposed to combat um the sort of patriarchal structure of sexual harassment towards women in multiple industries um she she had gotten a lot a lot of criticism for the way she had led the organization since its inception back in like 2017 or whatnot um and she says at this time she's not the best leader so i'm glad she did that because it was looking very ugly wow all right well to get started off here a little bit of vaccination stuff uh guitarist and um long time kind of uh British singer songwriter Eric Clapton uh, has been in the news lately because of his stance on COVID-19 vaccinations and the um, the rules and restrictions that have been put in place to you know help people stay alive mm-hmm. but uh, he decided to come out with a protest song of sorts for anti-vaxxers so some of the lyrics go I can't take this bullshit any longer it's gone far enough um, he also sings about you know, I'm used to being free. This has got to stop. And um, yeah, it's just, it's, we don't need this. First yeah. of all, he's 76. He needs to have the vaccine and go, you know, inside. And um, yeah, it's just, it's just nuts that this is happening. And people are, I think I saw a story earlier today that with Ida happening, um, people are, you know, wondering, you know, can they get into the hospital if something happens? But because of this resurgence of COVID, the hospitals, not only just in Louisiana, but in some of the surrounding states are full. So this is just, it's just nuts. And these people have this stance that, well, we don't need this vaccine. It's fine. We'll survive. It's just like, it's, yeah. It's insane. And uh, the sheer audacity for this white privileged male to to talk of how he's not free because someone wants because of a public health crisis where we want you to protect yourself and others right that's it selfish and he's just solidifying the fact that he was you know nowhere near as good as Jimi hendrix but that's that's neither here nor near here nor there there. (laughs) so that's a different topic uh, secondly, and I couldn't remember if I had talked about this already, but um, Broadway had a little bit of a, a, a Me Too thing going on. Um, a Tony Award-winning actress, Alice Ripley, uh, who's well-known in the Broadway community, had been accused by four separate young women of uh, kind of grooming and like uh, oh kind of a, a cultish fan base around her um, over the years. Um, since her start in like the, you know, the 2000, uh, 2009, I think is when she really got her start on Broadway. But um, yeah, and, and most of these accusations were made through 
TikTok, which is how things happen now, TikTok mm-hmm. or Twitter. And uh, yeah, so like like I said, it was it was most of it sounded like she created it just really odd um like relationships yeah with really young girls young as like 13 14 type things you know they were looking up to her and just kind of this way and how she talked to them and and all that and i'm not sure if she's released an official statement but i know she posted uh like to her instagram account like a a uh, what's the word i want to say um like a, like a like a photo of her being like unbothered like the stuff isn't real da 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 so um, yeah so this is my first um, time hearing about this yeah if you look it up the daily beast wrote a pretty long article which has the accusations and photos and real facts it's it's quite lengthy but yeah that's the that's the place to probably check out okay wow the story um and then and this isn't movie or entertainment related, but OnlyFans, the subscription service, I guess you could call it that, last week announced that they were going to kick off sexually explicit um, content from their site to help them gain investors. And this week, they've come out with a pretty weak message and apology to sex workers saying that, well, you know, you can stay. We found alternative money, so we're good. Exactly. And um, so we're kind of waiting for the fallout of that. I'm sure more, most people will probably stay, but I, I, I couldn't imagine the trust of OnlyFans is still there amongst the sex worker. Mm hmm. Because until then, no one was using that service. And yeah, uh, and then in sad news, we had Ed Asner pass away. Um, earlier today he was 91 years old and a very long career in in television and film he was uh, the Mary Tyler Moore show mm-hmm. um, all sorts of movies I didn't realize until today that um what did I see oh I think it was up the animated film yeah he played uh that main character yeah yeah I did not think of that and then you see him and it definitely resembles him but mm-hmm. I, um, I did not know that but yeah and he's also you know politically um motivated yeah very much and uh, a very strong um democratic socialist i remember seeing stuff about that and knowing about that for some time now so yeah it, it's crazy um uh betty white's the last living member from that cast of maritime worship so definitely a a titan in the industry that has gone on so absolutely all righty we'll uh highlight some box office news here this weekend uh the night the cost of film Candyman um took the box office with 22 million which is pretty good for you know the pandemic setting yeah um this is Nita Costa's second feature film so she's doing pretty well um yeah and the reviews so far have been pretty pretty good yeah, that's good yeah I think the initial views I saw people didn't like it too much but I was like you know what I'll wait I'll wait and so yeah they've kind of leveled out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we will talk more about it in our streams of the week 
Um, but first, uh, did you see the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer? I did. I saw it when it came out. Yep. What did you think? Um, I am behind on everything Spider-Man, but it, it, it looked good. It looked uh, interesting. I, I mean, I think um, <laughs> I, I don't really know what to say. I, I think the addition of Alfred Molina is going to be good. Um, just kind of, I don't know, comic book movies. I'm always just behind, but uh, for me, it looked exciting. So that's what matters. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the this one is trying to attempt to bring the multiverse, Spider-Verse to yeah. to, to live screen. So there's rumors of, you know, Tobey Maguire appearing, Andrew Garfield, right. uh, like villains from the past films as well. So hopefully they stick to landing cuz that could be a lot to juggle. Yeah. It could just kind of blow up. Yeah. yeah. So, well, we'll see what happens, but it's set to premiere December 17th. All right, we're getting to streams of the week. Um, what did you watch this past week and was it worth your time? Not too much, but yes, it was. Well, well, I guess we can talk about one of them together, but I'm slowly catching up on Evil on uh, Paramount Plus, and uh, it, it's been very, very good. It was, it's, what's what I want to say? It's heavier than last season, the first season. Yeah. Um, and uh, I have one here that got to episode two, but I, I'm pretty sure I got through episode three because I watched episode one when it first came out. So I'm trying to think. I went back and watched it. Either way, um, yeah, man, everybody's acting. Katia Kerber's, uh, her, Herber's my bad. Her acting is, is off the chart. Um, I like how they're including the characters more. I feel like the first season, even though he was a main character, Ben was kind of background in a way, and now yeah. he's yeah. He, he's 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 in the mix. He's getting picked on by the spirits. He's getting you know, uh, pushed around. Um, what else do I think? Oh, her mother too. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I was like, oh dang, Cheryl Strickland. Uh, yeah, so there's that. Um, David's character, Mike Coulter, is in an odd place up to where I've seen. Um, I know from talking to you that nothing comes of the little girl having those sharp teeth, but I was hoping that turned into something. Yeah, they kind of just dropped it yeah. right after. What, what's crazy, though, is that I, I watched that. I watched the episode of her biting off the woman's finger mm-hmm. when it initially happened. And then I rewatched it again and I still jumped. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> It still caught me off guard, but yeah. um, but no, oh man, it's good. It's good. Yeah, so hopefully we'll be caught up because um, uh, it returned uh, this week for the right. second half of the season. So I believe this was episode seven today, and then I think there's about ten episodes or thirteen something something of that nature. Okay. Um, yeah. So yeah. Uh, let's see. I caught the finale of. Um, motherland fort salem um it's been renewed for a third and final season which i think is great because where the story is headed there's not much left you know yeah yeah um it's been a, a good show um you, i could definitely see it 
as like a film trilogy, even though this is a series, it definitely has that sort of capabilities or whatever. Right. Um, and th- the third season will be like a final showdown between, um, we, this won't mean much if you don't watch the show, but a final showdown between the witches and the Camarilla, who are a anti-witch, like terrorist organization. Okay. Um, that are sort of uh, fueling anti-witch sentiment. Uh, what's the word I want to use? Sentiment around yeah. the country. Um, so yeah, they're like they're like an enemy from way back, dec- centuries ago. That I guess came back un- unnoticed. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And then I did get to see Candyman. Uh-huh. Um, I really liked it. Um, the performances were really strong. I thought the messaging was was really good. The the Costa's directing and the cinematography was excellent. Like she knows how to um, initiate like that unsettling atmosphere like throughout the whole movie so whereas this isn't like a um a traditional like scary jump scare slasher film the the experience of it is is what is scary and like the the term like uh fiction is scarier i mean truth is scarier than fiction or whatever i guess sort of goes on those those laurels just with the backstory and stuff um i i listened to a podcast today that reviewed it and while they enjoyed they felt that some bits of the story and screenplay were a little sketchy um there were points it is short it's a short film and there were some points where you wanted to explore some characters backgrounds a bit more but overall i really enjoyed it i gave it a b and had 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 you seen the initial one before or the, I, the original? I had seen, I actually had planned to watch it, I think last year on Netflix and oh, okay. Netflix froze and I never got back to it. But I get, the, <laughs> I get the gist of it. Right. And right. the film does a good job of sort of laying out, you know, what that first film was about. So. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, that first one was, it was scary, but I think it was more of, um, Oh Lord, I can't think of his name. I know his first name is like Tony. Oh, Tony Todd. Yes, that's it. Thank you. Yeah, he he terrifying. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. But uh, Yaya Abdul Martin II does a a great job. Coleman Domingo, of course. Tiana Parrish was great. So yeah, I think I think it's a re- it was a really strong uh, showing. And I'm, I'm waiting to see what else comes next from this new director. Mm-hmm. So yeah. All righty, all righty. Well, we'll take a great quick break right here and when we come back we'll have our NLT and feature presentation welcome back um we'll get into our NLT here where we had the season finale of uh David Makes Man um the episode was entitled oh crap I can't remember the episode title. Oh, oh trouble, trouble the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew it had to do with water. Yeah, um, and then we also had episode four, a reservation dogs, entitled "What About Your Dad." So, what were your thoughts on the season two finale of David Makes Man? 
Um, I liked it. I think it may have been the strongest episode yet. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like they did a good job of tying up kind of the stories and I don't know what comes next for this show, but if it ends here, I, maybe that's all right. You know what I mean? I feel like, I feel like that last conversation that young David had with the older version of himself seemed like, you know, closure. Yeah. And so I, I'm not sure what comes next or if anything needs to come next, but um, yeah, I thought it was a good ending and the things with his mother and his brother and everything's kind of shored up. So no, I, I thought it was good. Yeah, I agree. I think it was a very strong ending to a season that was definitely ambitious. Yeah. Um, sure. And it's storytelling, which I mean, we knew that, but just with the time jump and everything was something we had right. to sort of get used to. Um, I agree. It felt like a final, you know, period in the story. Um, but honestly, I could see if they did not a great, at, not as much as a time jump in the future if they're renewed for another season but like david with a family and him like yeah as a father and and how this these traumatic experiences influence that i could see that being like a third season honestly yeah um, no, i could see that that makes sense but yeah we had um david finally sort of stand up for the veil um and sort of delaying the entire project and displacement of the community um, you have Mix Elijah who, you know, came through um, with their environmental information, the planning and everything like that, right. um, which was a great scene. I think Travis Coles did a, a remarkable job this season. Right, um, yeah. Mix Elijah. Sure. Um, and then you had Trinice, um come home um, and, and just sort of like, not seeing the cycle repeat, but just seeing sort of the same patterns right. in her household, um, her feelings sort of misunderstood or unheard, and both her parents, like, not really communicating the best way. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Trish, the mom, is sort of old school, where JG and his his growing up is more new school and that's where they sort of right. hit heads and how to raise their daughter so um i definitely want a third season to see how that family sort of operates in the future yeah that's a good point that, that would be interesting yeah because trenice is somewhat like david in the way she thinks and observes right. things we're still not sure how she got in his apartment, but <laughs> right. She just says the doorman let her in, which is like that's not your like, job, right? Yeah, <laughs> sir. Um, but yeah, we interested to see what happens there, and then of course we see that JG finally, you know, cements his feelings with Shella. Right. So I guess we're gonna see what happens there. Like, I guess before it was just sort of like heavy staring at each other, and now. <laughs> <laughs> Now they've actually done the deed. Right, um, yeah. Yeah, so that's going to be causing complications. But yeah, I would say it ended really well. Um, the whole um, walking on water thing, like taking the leap of faith to be vulnerable and embrace, you know, change and everything was a big, 
that for David as a whole. So I really, really enjoyed it. Um, then switching to Reservation Dogs on FX on Hulu, episode four was another f- familial uh, centric episode where yeah. we meet uh, Bear's absent father, um, yeah. who apparently is a native rap artist. Where does he live? Like on the other side of the country? Yeah, that's what I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah, so this episode saw kind of focused on Bear and his mother. We got more about her life. Yeah. Um, and on the reservation and how Bear was excited that his dad was going to come and visit. And it's sort of like a, sim- a very familiar trope where, you know, as youth, you still, even though the, the parent has been absent for so long, right? that inner child in them still yearns for the attention, their affection. And the parent that's been there knows, you know, the patterns and doesn't want to get your hopes up to be dashed. Right. Um, right. And that's basically what happened. So what did you think about this episode and sort of the uh, revelations of Bear's mother's life? Um, it was interesting. I, I, I thought it was a really good episode. They always seem to pack in a lot in just the 30 minutes that they give you because we learn, you know, like you said, Bear's mother life, Bear's mother's life and, you know, what she does and, kind of how she's dealing with her situation and we see more of Bear and like you said this hope that his dad will come around and things will change and then um his friend uh Alora is it Alora is that how you say it mm-hmm. and just kind of how she's having these uh these uh, other feelings of you know I guess of just what their friendship is because yeah she kind of feels that they've lost well, at least from what we get, she's kind of seeing that maybe they've lost the plot. You know, maybe they're not sticking to the plan of getting to California. Right, right. Um, she she sort of senses that Bear is is not as adamant about leaving as as before. You know, he takes right. the money to score a bean medallion right. for his dad, which looked like you know a penis. Unfortunately, right. <laughs> that was that whole. Uh, scene with the I, I don't know what you call her the woman that makes the crack yeah. the items was hilarious um but yeah she sees him take money from their california fund for this knowing that his dad is not going to come through and that scene right. with her and rita like these are like the two women in his life and they 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 know what's going to happen right and i really felt even though like she's much younger than Rita, they were able to connect on that level of like these men who who need them, but constantly sort of shun them. Right, exactly. Yeah, it was a real poignant moment of the episode. Um, so uh, unfortunately, um, Alora was actually approached by jackie the rival gang member and joining with them because they're thinking about you know leaving and by the end of the episode she's sort of very seriously contemplating yeah contemplating switching teams here which would which be interesting their friend dynamic i'm interested in seeing how this goes right yeah um we also have to talk about rita's date (laughs) Oh, oh jesus yes 
Yeah, um, it very much reminded me of the episode from season two of um, oh, of Rami. Um, there's an episode that focuses on his sister and she meets this guy and turns out, you know, his whole attraction to her is wrapped up in his fetishization of Muslim women. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, so here, you know, Rita meets this guy, a doctor, rich, handsome, single, with kids. So, like, they have that in common, but soon, you know, the morning after conversation gets warped into, like, I really love, you know, your skin tone. Right. (laughs) You know, the history of his family on this reservation, basically his ancestors, you know, killed hers and got this house. Um, And then, you know, he's just obsessed with native culture. And soon she realizes that this was all, you know, some weird, weird fetish he wanted to get off. Like it's, it's very racially motivated. Right. It's just nuts. Um, His, his explanation for the feathers on it though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the part that got me. That's oh shit. She was like, "Is that a Confederate flag on your right?" <laughs> and the way he tried to explain how his grandfather came into the property, like, "Sir, right. it was genocide." We know exactly. So yeah, it it it's it touched so many topics, but very seamlessly, um, and with levity. So. I really enjoyed this episode. I think we'll have four more um, of Reservation Dogs on FX on Hulu. It's it's a it's a bingeable show. Like you definitely wish you had all of them at the same time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's worth some rewatches. I think just yeah. just seeing like these fresh faces on TV right. with these new stories, but stories that anyone can relate to. That's that's the thing. Like for so long, we people have said this won't sell because people can't relate right stories are universal no matter who is telling them right so i'm I'm excited to see what uh happens this week which um reservation dogs new episode premieres every monday on hulu um and yeah we'll now transition to our final segment feature presentation Uh, We'll be discussing the 10th season premiere of Ryan Murphy's FX anthology series, American Horror Story. And this iteration is entitled Double Double Feature because um, there will be two different stories in one season. So I believe one half of the season, five episodes, will be called Red Tide. Yeah. And the second half is called something else i forget already maybe i never knew but it it, it's playing with the whole uh cinema thing of double feature where you would go see two different movies at the theater and playing with a lot of themes of uh desert and water yeah like hot and cold uh what so we got two episodes in the premiere. Um, episode one was entitled Cape Fear and episode two was entitled Pale. Um, 
give a quick rundown of the premise. You have a small family, a screenwriter, an interior do- interior designer, and their daughter um, go to a cabin in the um, is it the New England area? Uh, it's Boston, uh, right? Yeah, I think it's like outside of of Boston. Right. Um, in this secluded little uh, Mediterranean Bay, Bay town, basically. Um, so the father played by Finn Whit, uh, I got this last name wrong. Whitrock. Yeah. Uh, can work on his screenplay because he has writer's block. There's very strong The Shining vibes. Yeah, yeah. Um, with the premise. And basically, um, he finds this sort of source to help him escape the writer's block, but there are dire consequences in taking, using this method for creativity. Um, And this season also stars Lily Rabe as his wife, uh, Francis McCoy, Evan Peters, Macaulay Culkin. Culkin, yeah. Sarah Sarah Colson. Colson. And the... She hasn't been heavily featured. Um, Adina Porter's there as well. Yeah. And the other woman from, she was in Popular. She's more in Funny Things. Now her name is, but she plays his agent. Yeah. Her name is right there on the tip of my tongue. One second. I can see your face. I'm bringing up the cast now. Leslie Grossman. Yes. (laughs) And Billy Lord is there as well. So we have a lot of repeats, actors, of course, that Evan likes to play in his sandbox of horror each season. Um, so what did you think, uh, first, what did you think of these first two episodes? And then we'll sort of get to the nitty gritty of the plot itself, what worked, what didn't. I think initially, um, I was just happy to see Lily Ray back. She was one of the best actors in the uh, the early season. She was, she was always so good. So it's good to see her in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, it took a it took a little bit to get in to the story, and then I was confused because when Lily Rabe and her daughter went walking and they saw the little creature dude in the cemetery, I was like, "Wait, is she imagining this, or is this real?" And yeah, because so it, it it I agree. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say yeah, it threw me off, and then once <laughs> once he started chasing her, I was like, "Oh, okay, no, they're really seeing this guy." Yeah, I felt like it sort of revealed the spook rather early. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, well, where's this going to go? Because the excuse that he was like a meth head was not going to fly. No, like, come on. He he didn't look like that. Yeah, so I was I was like, where's this going where they already have like monsters here 15 minutes in and we really don't know what's happening. Um, yeah, it, it, start, it's, it took... It was sort of like stumbled out of the gate, but as it went on, the story made more sense. Um, right. I did think Sarah Paulson's character was a bit much. Yeah, a little over the top, but I, I feel like Ryan Murphy, she has like some dirt on him. So he got to <laughs> put her in everything. But <laughs> Yeah, the, the introduction was very jolting especially right. at first but again as the story went on it made sense why she's so hysterical mm-hmm. um but it was just sort of like this is a lot going on um yeah 
And then by the second episode, things start to come together. And I really enjoy the second episode. Yeah, no, it was good the way it played out. And, you know, I'll watch Frances Conroy in anything. She's so good. Yes, Frances Conroy. I think I said her name wrong before. Yeah. Yes. Um, so as we said, episode one is Cape Fear. You have the family move to this um, isolated town, to this home, so they can basically work on their art. Yeah. Uh, Finn is a screenwriter. Lily plays interior designer who's been hired to sort of do a job in the home, redecorate. And their daughter is a pro- basically a prodigy violinist. Yeah. And they're there. Um, like you said, um, the mother and daughter go for a walk and are chased by this pale, sharp tooth man who moves sort of like robotically. He looked yeah. very ghoulish. Um, and the officer played by Dina Porter just assures them, you know, this is a safe place. We right. haven't had murder in yada yada years. It's just a meth head. Yeah. Since like, they got a they got a drug problem in the area. <laughs> right. People on meth don't look like that. Nah man. <laughs> and they're not chasing you like like that. No. Um so you know they decide to stay. Um but Finn, you know, continues to have this writer's block. He's got not getting anything on the page. So he decides to go for a walk. And basically he finds two bodies washed up ashore with their intestines hanging out. Yeah. And he doesn't tell his wife. So I was like, okay, sir, what's going on here? Um, fast forward. Um, I think does he go to the club here or he, or is it the intruder first uh the i think the intruder happens and then oh i know he goes to the club because lily rape and he him was supposed to go out but she gets ill right right and so that's why he goes alone but yeah i think that's after the intruder Okay. Which he, you know, he's killed a man. <laughs> yes. He's he's up riding late and the this pale individual breaks into his home yeah. and tries to kill him. He beats them with something. I can't remember what it was. Yeah. Um, and kills them, you know, they're dead. And they're like, okay, we're gonna leave tomorrow. That's basically yeah. what they say. Cause of course, like you murdered someone, you're not a violent person. Right. This person tried to kill you. We're gonna leave tomorrow. Right. Um, but instead, um, they plan to like go out. They're all dressed up. Lily gets a bit of morning sickness or something. Very yeah, odd. she just comes ill. Yeah. Yeah. So he goes by himself and he runs into these, uh, I guess, townies, um, yeah. other eccentric riders played by Evan Peters and Francis. What's her last Conroy. name? Again? Conroy. Conroy. Yeah. Yes. Um, and they're singing Islands in the Stream for karaoke. <laughs> Very eccentric, but they're well-established writers. Um, Peter's character is a Tony-winning playwright. Francis's character is a New York Times bestselling author. And he's just happy that he's met them. And they're like, you know, come by the house sometime, blah, blah. 
And he's like, oh, well, you know, I really can't. He's like, I have something that will help your writer's block. Right. And they basically, you know, persuade him into it. Uh, and that's when he's given the little pill, right? Pill, yeah. That they're like, well, here's some help for you. For, yes. And I think they refer to it as like a muse. Right, a muse, correct. Yeah. And he takes it. And they're actually on their way out. Like they're in the yeah. car, everything's packed. He's taking the pill and all of a sudden, like he's jolted with right. seeing this screenplay in his head. All the other ideas are flushing and he runs back in the house and starts typing and just like. Kind of blows off his family, you know, forgets their safety. He's like, I need to finish this. I got to do this. Right. Forgets that he actually murdered someone in the house. <laughs> right. Like, yeah everything he's like well we'll leave tomorrow you know once it's done right. you know and just proof he gets proof of the brilliance you know uh walking phoenix wants to be involved in the film and right right all of a sudden they're going to stay um but soon like this as soon as he's finished with it i guess you know the cycle of the pill stopped he goes to write again and nothing so he yeah. goes on his second trip for the pill. And I think that's way the way the first episode ends, right? Right. Yeah. And then it's what's what's interesting though is that um the double feature thing is, is an interesting kind of theme and way to go about it. But the second part is really interesting because it has to do something with the desert and their Dwight Eisenhower and Mammy Eisenhower. And I think Lily Ray plays Amelia Earhart. It's, I was reading the cast list earlier, so I'm like, like wait a second, what? Oh, wow. Yeah. So maybe that's sure. where the alien... Yeah, yeah, you know what? Yeah, you keep seeing the alien in that poster. That would make sense. Yeah. So, yeah, episode one ends with him returning to Evan Peters' home for more of Muse. Um, yeah. Something we skipped over, I realized in the first episode, um, you had... Finn go to the grocery store and I'm pretty sure it's the same set that was used in Colt because yeah the same grocery store that's where we meet Paulson's character they call her like tuberculosis tuberculosis it's tuberculosis whatever her name is yeah yeah um and she's just warning him get the fuck out of here you know <laughs> go away <laughs> just leave yeah that's pretty much all she says she just screams it just leave and yeah. they pay her no mind um but was it this episode where we see the package she delivers or was it the next episode? Oh, I can't even remember. I can't remember. But the second episode, um, Pale. Yeah. Um, Finn, you know, he's gotten his second dose of the muse. He's going to continue writing. And I think it's, um, we realize what's actually the sort of trade-off for this special right. antidote to writer's block to, to unlocking your creativity right. is the the thirst for blood. Yeah, you become a vampire essentially. Yes, because we see Francis's character meet up with Macaulay. Macaulay Colton's playing like a local uh, gigolo, basically. Yeah, yeah. He's a sex worker for drugs and whatnot i guess it's popular out there um 
because he even petitioned uh, Finn at the bar. Right, right. When we first like, that's pretty much their first conversation. Yeah, that's how we introduce his character. Um, later we see him with Francis, and she's begging, you know, to suck him off or whatever for whatever drugs right. he needs. And we're thinking, you know, okay, a moonball job or whatever. <laughs> but he literally cuts his arm with a razor, and she right. sucks the blood. And he's like, oh, right, okay. So by the time um, Finn's character is taking the second pill, he's writing, writing, writing. He's becoming more dismissive of his wife and child. The focus is all on his art. Um, he starts to get these cravings. Um, right. I think at one point, uh, Lily cuts herself with something. Yeah, I think they're, I'm not sure what they're doing. I think it's like in the midst I'm missing a part of like they're arguing or they're talking. Yeah, she cuts her hand and he like just jumps and starts sucking her finger. Right. And she's like, What are you doing? Like, get right. Yeah. Like, this is crazy. And she keeps demanding, We need to go. And he's like, right. No, we're not going to leave. Blah, blah, blah. Um, so then we forgot to mention she's also heavily pregnant. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. She's very, yeah. very pregnant. I'm not sure how far ahead, but right. she's big. So that's that's another thing. I'm sure that will come into play later on. Um, so uh, the father character ends up returning to once he got the second pill. Like um, Evan Peters' character is like, "Hey, come join us," because right. we know you know it's part of the ritual. Wear your gloves, and we see them go out and find victims to sort of feed their bloodthirst. So they're always like, you know, find someone that doesn't matter. So right. don't be missed. And it's like homeless people, Johns, right. all, all the sort of societal degenerates, as you will. Um, and the only way that Sarah Paulson's character is able to resist being hunted by these creatures is she trades bait for protection. Right. So yeah. there's a scene where she brings a bag to Francis and she's very you can tell it's breaking her heart and she does it for drugs and it turned out to be a baby a live child yeah <laughs> in the bag I said what the hell <laughs> it was doing a lot but it, it was it was getting very good I like the way but, it escalated um yes. so Finn's character joins them on their hunt they kill some people suck their blood um and while all this is happening their daughter is watching the father sort of see the creativity pour out of him because she's you know this violinist and she's very serious about her craft right and she wants whatever he's got so she finds the pills right and takes one and the song she was struggling with she's able to play you know flawlessly right right and then she falls out. Yeah. And then, yeah. We should also mention that before uh, before she finds the pill, during like Finn's like manic state, he yells at her and criticizes mm -hmm. her for not being able to play this incredibly difficult piece of music, which she takes, you know, hard. She takes it pretty hard. And then yeah. um, yeah, once they leave, they're both out of the house or she's just away from her mother. Finn's out of the house. 
well, God, his name's not Finn, but you know what I'm talking about. They're yeah, the father's out of the house. Names. Yeah. And um, yeah, she she takes the pill, and like you said, yeah, she she collapses. Yeah. And you know, she it's it works as just as well on her. She she needs more and right. she starts thirsting for the blood. And the second episode ends with uh Lily sort of finding her right outside or yeah, I think so something and she's eating some mangled animal just yeah with blood on her face so i i really enjoyed the journey in these first two episodes yeah i think it's kind of getting back to its earlier days where it was mm-hmm. he's not what i'm saying it, it's more there's more there's more of a story he's not just trying to like Shock. impress yeah by who he has in the show and what he can make them do so yeah and i also found it interesting the themes they're using you know the innate creativity if you're like purely talented or is it just sort of right stance you know we find out you know this town is littered with uh artists and creators who have taken the pill and either they succeeded or they haven't yeah or they haven't yeah and that's for instance like macaulay colton's character was a screenwriter who's written tons of plays but never finished them because he couldn't be consistent right and she's like you don't want to take those pills and i think he ends up doesn't he end up taking it yeah i think he does because she they they have like a moment together or something right and uh and then, yeah, I think he ends up doing it. Yeah, because some people take them and nothing comes out and they just sort of become sort of the grotesque yeah. creatures. And then others take it. And you saw Macaulay sort of like spreading out, you know, finishing each play, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, and then I believe we also saw Finn's character kill some random man under the dock. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he... He yeah. went down there, I think, I don't know what his intention was initially, but then the guy tells him, you know, well, this is kind of where, you know, cruising happens and sex workers hang out. And then, yeah, he just, he stabs the guy. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a definitely an interesting commentary on the links people go for fame and a yeah. conversation on like talent versus, I guess, just pure luck right um it, 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 it's interesting i'm waiting to see where it goes yeah so i'm uh... so new episodes of american horror story double feature red tide drop every thursday um on no drop every wednesday on fx and then next day on hulu yep all right so this week we are entering uh september what are you streaming for the weekend uh well i did not get to watch the chair so i'm going to check that out the netflix show with sandra O. Oh. and then there was something else that i looked at and it has just skipped my mind so i'm sure it will come to me as soon as i hang up the phone but <laughs> all right um i am going to you still there yeah i'm still here okay just making sure because it said unstable connection. I'm yeah. going to try to check out that Bob Ross documentary. 
Oh, that's right. Yeah. On Netflix. Um, I'm going to attempt to watch an episode of Wu-Tang, an American saga or whatever, oh. each yeah. day today because the new season starts September 15th. So I'm going to knock out season one finally. I think I'm, I'm midway and that's yeah. Hulu. And Friday, I'm hoping to see, well, I hope to see it Thursday, but if not Friday, I want to see the Marvel film uh, Shang-Chi and The Legend of oh, the yeah. Kings that dropped yeah. this weekend. Um, it's gotten great reviews so far, so I'm really looking forward to see how this, the first eight all-Asian uh, cast-led Marvel film does in the MCU. That's good. Yeah, the other show was um, What We Do in the Shadows. It starts back up Thursday, September 2nd. So Okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. And probably next we will get uh, do a deep dive into the fall schedule. Um, there's actually one broadcast-wise because people were able to, you know, uh, traverse the COVID pandemic a lot better. Right. Because um, last year the networks didn't know what to do, so... There's extensive uh, fall schedule that we'll talk about next week. Thank you for listening to It's a Stream of Life podcast with Brennan and Lauren. If you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe, share, and review on your platform of choice. And if you want more, follow on social at AS Life Podcast and visit our website, streamablelife.wordpress.com. Until next week, keep on streaming. Peace. This has been It's a Streamable Life, a podcast chronicling life in a peak entertainment era. Listen, share, rate, and subscribe weekly on Apple Podcasts and wherever else you get Streamable Life.